Welcome to this episode of the Strip-Toe Farmer podcast series. I'm Michaela Pogner, Strip-Toe Farmer's Technology Editor. Today's episode of the Strip-Toe Farmer podcast series is brought to you by the Pluribus Light from Dawn Equipment. Dawn is bringing today's innovative farmers a new strip-till product from the regenerative ag-focused underground agriculture brand. The Pluribus Light is priced like a strip freshener, but it offers the features and performance to be used in the fall or spring as a primary strip tiller or strip freshener. It's the perfect complement to a cover crop system that just needs a little blacker strip. Check out the Pluribus Light at dawnequipment.com. Your harvest at the end of the season depends on the attention you give your soil and your crops at the beginning of it. Step one should be a crop fertility plan based on a complete soil analysis, according to John Leaf, a regional agronomist at AgriLiquid. John is joining Strip-Till Farmer for the National Strip-Tillage Conference in July in Iowa City to help us go back to the basics to take an in-depth look at the nutrients that make a difference in your crop and the best application practices to set you up for success. In today's episode of the Strip-Till Farmer podcast, John explains the basics of soil testing, some common mistakes farmers make when soil testing, when to apply nutrients, how to determine if you should ban versus broadcast, and much more. My name is John Leaf, and I am a regional agronomist with AgroLiquid Fertilizer Company based out of St. John's, Michigan. What I do for AgroLiquid is provide technical expertise on how best to use our fertilizer products, provide training to our sales staff, our retailers, and our grower customers on the best use of our products, uh, timings, placements, use rates, things like that. And where in Michigan are you located and where are your customers primarily located? The company is located in St. John's, Michigan. That's our corporate headquarters. That's about 20, 25 miles north of Lansing, Michigan, right in the center of the state. We have a manufacturing facility in Ashley, Michigan, uh, which is about another 25 miles north of St. John's. And we also have manufacturing in Iowa and Kansas, North Dakota, California, and Montana. Our customers that I service are in the Northeast region, uh, anywhere from uh, Illinois onwards east to Virginia, and then north up through Maine, and then I also cover Ontario. As a company, we have uh, retail customers and grower customers all across the United States and Canada, and we also have a retailer in Mexico that we serve as well. So you alone and the company are covering quite a broad range of different soil types and types of farming and whatnot? Oh, absolutely. Yes. I'm responsible for the Northeast United States. There are four other agronomists that cover various geographies across the country. But yeah, we cover anything from the row crop uh, industry across the eastern and central United States, anything from corn and soybeans uh, to cotton and tobacco and peanuts in the south. And uh, we also have a good presence in the fruit and vegetable industry, especially in California and uh, Pacific Northwest. So we cover pretty much all the different crops and across uh, the entire United States and Canada. You are joining us for the 2022 National Strip Tillage Conference in Iowa, July 28th through 29th. 
and you're going to be presenting on soil testing and nutrition. So what are some of the things that attendees are going to learn from your presentation? My presentation is going to prim primarily focus on uh, using the soil test information to develop a good crop nutrition plan. Uh, we, as a company, uh, we really like to use the soil test as the basis for uh, crop nutrition planning. And our goal is not to get as much fertilizer out there as we can. We want to get fertilizer into uh, a field, into a crop uh, at a rate and at a time uh, where it is best used. And we want to try to keep our nutrients in good balance. So those are the kind of things that I'm going to be uh, talking about, um, not just nitrogen, but things like phosphorus, potassium, sulfur, and um, micronutrients, which are often uh, somewhat neglected. What types of soil tests are you using for your customers as you're developing these plans? Well, we have a relationship with several different uh, laboratories around the country. Um, one of the ones that we use a lot is Midwest Laboratories out of Omaha, Nebraska. We also have good relationships with several of the ANL laboratories across the country and some, uh, some more regional ones as well. Uh, what we really like to see when we get a soil test report is a report on a complete soil test, not just soil pH and texture and, and things like that, but phosphorus, potassium, calcium, sulfur, uh, micronutrients. And another thing that uh, is often neglected is um, a component called base saturation. We use that uh, to help uh, understand if the soil is in good chemistry balance. And if not, we can, we can try to address that. So once you have that complete soil test, how are you using that to create the um, crop nutrition plan? Uh, I do this on a, like a several step process and, and different folks uh, do it different ways, but I think we all try to come to the, to the same conclusion. But how I work with the soil test report is I take a look at, first of all, what is there? Um, is the phosphorus levels good? Is the pH good? Is the potassium level good? Are things in balance? Um, I mentioned that earlier. Uh, if the uh, soil chemistry is out of balance, we can try to address that with either lime or um, potash or, a, or a, a magnesium product, for example, to try to get those nutrients into a proper balance or ratio so that the rest of our crop nutrition program can work as well as it can. And once we get that addressed, then we can take a look at the individual nutrients, phosphorus, potassium, for example, and we compare that to what the crop needs for the um, yield goal that the grower has. If uh, in corn, for example, if a, uh, a, a corn grower wants to target 200 bushel per acre corn, we have an idea of how much phosphorus that takes in order to produce 200 bushel per acre corn. And we can compare that to what the soil has. And if there is a need for uh, putting supplemental phosphorus fertilizer out, we can calculate then how much uh, phosphorus we need to apply uh, in order to meet that goal. And we do that uh, with all of the different nutrients. Okay. And then what would you say are the components of a good crop nutrition plan? 
we need to address all the major crop nutrients, uh, nitrogen, phosphorus, and potassium. Uh, those are, you know, the three macronutrients, as they call it. If one of those is lacking, then the rest of the crop nutrition program doesn't work as well as it should. So we want to make sure to have enough nitrogen uh, to feed the crop if, if we're talking about corn or wheat, a crop that requires supplemental nitrogen. And then phosphorus, we want to make sure we have enough of, of that to meet the need and potassium as well. The one thing that, uh, that we strive to, uh, to try to, to balance as well and to, to meet those needs is our micronutrients. Corn, for example, zinc and manganese are two very important micronutrients as well as iron and copper and boron. A lot of our soils are deficient in boron. A lot of our soils are deficient in sulfur. So we have to try to um, meet those crop nutrition needs with supplemental uh, fertilizers in order to, uh, to allow the entire crop nutrition system to work as well as it can. Right. And then the soil test is the basis of all of this. If a soil shows adequate or, or high levels of manganese, for example, we don't have to concentrate on putting a manganese product into our system. Uh, or if it's high in zinc, we don't have to worry about putting uh, a lot of zinc in. Similar with our nitrogen, phosphorus, and potassium. If we're in a uh, situation where a person is, is a livestock producer, uh, there's often um, high levels or excess levels of phosphorus in those systems. So we only have to put on uh, just a little bit of phosphorus in order to um, get that crop out of the ground and, and get it to utilize the phosphorus that's already there. So with the soil test being square one for everything, how often should strip tillers be testing their soil and at what time of year? The general rule of thumb that, that we use is about a three-year cycle for testing your soils. So um, one field will be tested every third year or so. Um, when is kind of up to the grower. Uh, I use a lot of fall um, soil testing as the basis of my recommendations, primarily because there's more time to do that in the fall and get your results back and start to make a plan. You know, it can also be done in the spring just as easily. And the only downside to that is that you don't have quite enough time or as much time to develop that crop nutrition plan. And if you need to do some dry amendments, uh, getting those uh, applied, uh, there's not as much time, but that can certainly be done. Whatever the system a grower wants to do, I do recommend that it's done consistently. Uh, fall samples versus spring samples can be a little bit different, just the way uh, the winter weathering has, uh, has happened in the soil. So uh, if you're trying to compare your progress from one sample time to the next, it's best to uh, always do it in the fall or always do it in the spring. That's good advice. What are some of the common mistakes that you see farmers making when it comes to soil tests? I always try to, uh, to encourage a, a grower to take a soil sample in an area uh, that is fairly uniform and that that soil sample can best represent that area. If you get uh, too many different variables or variations within a soil sample, it can start to give misleading information. Uh, so for example, if you have a, a field that is primarily medium textured clay soil, and then you have a little pocket of sand, if you uh, put 
uh, one or two of those cores into a bag that's a sandy soil uh, and uh, put the rest of it in that heavier with the heavier texture soil, then uh, the laboratory really doesn't care what goes into that bag. They're just going to test what's in that bag. So we can minimize that, that variation if we try to uh, limit our soils, uh, soil sampling to areas that are fairly uniform and easy to manage. What else should we talk about about your presentation for the strip tillage conference? For the strip till component specifically, I'm going to be weaving some of our uh, research results that we've done uh, th- over the course of the last 10 years or so in, in strip till research uh, into this presentation. Uh, we have a um, pretty substantial uh, research farm here in Michigan uh, where we've done uh, all of our fertilizer testing as well as in, in field arrangements around the country. Uh, but uh, we've, we've done some very specific uh, testing with our products in strip-till. So uh, I'll be highlighting some of our products and how they can be best used in a strip-till uh, situation, uh, using it in the fall versus using it in the spring, what to put into a strip-till uh, versus what to, uh, to put on through the planter to, to get the best uh, optimal utilization of that. So those are some of the some of the topics that I'll be uh, talking about specifically with regard to strip till. Before we continue this conversation, I'd like to take a moment to thank our sponsor, the Pluribus Light from Dawn Equipment. Dawn is bringing today's innovative farmers a new strip till product from the regenerative ag-focused underground agriculture brand. The Pluribus Light is priced like a strip freshener, but it offers the features and performance to be used in the fall or spring as a primary strip tiller or strip freshener. It's the perfect complement to a cover crop system that just needs a little blacker strip. Check out the Pluribus Light at dawnequipment.com. Now let's get back to the conversation. What do you think is the discovery over the past decade from your strip-till research farm that really stands out to you and that you think would have the most practical application for other strip-tillers? There is a lot of flexibility. That's the, that's the biggest discovery that, uh, that we've found. Putting the uh, strips out in the fall, putting fertilizer on at that time, seems to be about the best um, overall program uh, for uh, things like potassium and sulfur. We can do the same in the spring and does just as well. Phosphorus is just a little bit different. That was one thing that I noticed in, in our research data uh, is that it is okay to put phosphorus on uh, through the strip-till system, but the best use of phosphorus is to put that on at planting, either in a two-by-two two or in a uh, infro arrangement uh, so that that phosphorus is immediately available to that, uh, that germinating seed. So whereas uh, things like potassium and sulfur, for example, uh, are very uh, uh, readily available in that strip, phosphorus would be too, but uh, uh, phosphorus does need to to be up close to that seed in order for it to to take it up early in that germinating process. Some of the other things that we've found is that uh, nitrogen in strip-till has its place, but it's best to use a combination approach with nitrogen, uh, either um, you know, with a strip till and side dress or uh, at planting and side dress, things like that. So um, a lot of flexibility, but you, you also need to, uh, to understand where the strengths of the different nutrients are 
and uh, and how best to use that strip-till system. That's interesting. I had talked to someone earlier this week who stripped hills, and he said he felt like the nutrients were taken up better by the crop when he does it in spring versus in fall with the putting it in the strips. So mm-hmm. he was a big advocate of spring only, but it sounds like you said there's a lot of flexibility in what will work at the different times of year. And, you know, we have done our work in Michigan on, on this particular project. Our our soils are kind of a light to medium texture soil uh, where um, it works real well for us to, to put this on in the fall. I'm not sure where your interviewee was uh, located, but in, in their particular situation, if they have different types of soil, perhaps it would be a better fit for a springtime application. So uh, again, you kind of have to tailor make our recommendations to the soils and the conditions and location that uh, that we're working with. Makes sense. Walk me through the process of how you've worked with a strip tiller to from step one soil testing all the way through deciding when they're going to apply these nutrients. Once the soil test is completed and we get that information back, then we can uh, decide, okay, do we need to Uh, do any soil amendments. Uh, That'd be basically a broadcast application of dry fertilizers. Uh, There there is a a very good use for dry fertilizers as soil amendments in in crop nutrition. Agroliquid products are intended to provide crop nutrition for the growing season that it's applied. And that would include, you know, from the fall through the following summer uh, in a a strip-till arrangement. So, for example, if we're growing corn and uh, he has a specific yield goal, we can take a look at the uh, potassium and the phosphorus and the sulfur needs uh, and the micronutrient needs from that soil test and then decide, okay, we need a certain uh, number of gallons of our progerminator phosphorus or our calibrate um, potassium product. And then we can uh, uh, work with the grower to say, okay, when is it best for you to be doing these things? We don't want to force a grower to change their practices just to use our products. We want to be able for our customers to use our products in the systems that they already use. Uh, like I said, if a grower likes to put his strips out in the fall, we can then determine how much of our potassium, how much of our phosphorus, how much of our sulfur should we be applying in that fall strip till. And then um, based on what he has for planting equipment and the ability to apply uh, fertilizer through the planter, we can say, all right, we can then put these different products on at the planter in order to make the best use of all of the nutrients that we have available. So that is uh, a very general way in which, uh, which we would go about doing that. If the grower wants to do that in the spring, we can we can make those adjustments and uh, get those materials uh, into the strips in the spring as well. Okay. This year, everyone's talking about high fertilizer prices and w- what they can do to reduce that cost. And I know some people are thinking strip till is the way to go with that because you're placing the nutrients right there where the crop needs them and hopefully would need less then. So what impact do you think that these fertilizer prices will make for strip till going forward? From a crop nutrition input standpoint, you're right. 
putting uh, a concentrated uh, band of fertilizer uh, in that row or, or just under that row to where a crop can, can get to it is going to save on broadcast application costs, for example. It will make those nutrients more available to that crop when you apply it that year. Broadcasting, for example, you know, only a small percent of that, that crop root will ever get to the, the uh, broadcasted dry fertilizer that, uh, that goes out. So we're making more efficient use of our fertilizers as well as reducing the overall amount of product that, uh, that has to be applied. Uh, as far as will this uh, last, I honestly don't know, but uh, there's more to strip till, of course, than just the crop nutrition side. There's the uh, soil conservation aspects of strip till, which are very important. Being able to keep residue on that surface, uh, at least uh, in, in portions of that field, so that we uh, reduce the, uh, the amount of erosion runoff. Uh, that, I think, is a very important part of, uh, of the whole strip-till process. And as growers understand the value of that, that uh, will also increase the likelihood that, uh, that strip-till stays as part of the grower's uh, practices. Also having good uh, the, the technology uh, to be able to, to do things very precisely, anything from the GPS uh, uh, auto steer that helps keep the planter in the same track as the uh, as the strip tiller you know very important part of that process of, of making the strip till system work and so uh, the better that that technology gets the higher likelihood that those uh, those practices will remain uh, so input costs certainly will have a positive impact on the way strip till is is utilized at least this next year or two perhaps the long term will be the the larger uh, benefits of strip till. Right. Talking about banding versus broadcasting the nutrients, that's one of the most popular topics that people are looking at on our website, um, kind of comparing what they should consider when banding or broadcasting. So from your perspective, what advice would you give someone? Well, as I have uh, talked a little bit about already, um, I do find a value of broadcast fertilizers in order to help uh, change the chemistry balance in a soil. Uh, I think of that especially with, uh, with products like lime or uh, dry potash. If uh, potassium levels are out of, out of balance, uh, dry potash does a very good job at, uh, at helping with that. Providing crop nutrition is the way that uh, our liquid fertilizers uh, can really shine getting a concentrated band in that root zone or just under that root zone so that as that root gets down into that application zone, uh, it has a, a, you know, a nice concentrated uh, dose of fertilizer that it can use uh, to, to be fed for uh, either the start of the season or the entire season. Uh, Agri-liquid products are, are developed so that we can provide season-long crop nutrition with our liquid fertilizers and not just uh, a simple pop-up. We do have pop-up type products that would be better used in uh, the planter, uh, but to, to be able to get uh, season-long nutrition uh, in, a, in that concentrated band uh, is, uh, is a great way to use liquid products. 
And then also when you apply that fertilizer in a band, it's typically well below the soil surface. So it has a much less uh, opportunity for um, being uh, uh, eroded either through uh, wind erosion or water erosion, which is uh, a big benefit to, uh, to the environment and helps uh, uh, with that, that public uh, view of agriculture that way. When you are broadcasting something like potash, for example, in a strip-till situation, is it being absorbed evenly with the residue? In a broadcast situation, like in strip-till, uh, where you're not going to be incorporating it, that's, that's kind of the downside to uh, a broadcast application of dry fertilizer uh, in a system like that. The products that are going to be in that residue zone are not going to be incorporated into that root zone like it would if with the uh, with the strip till machine. So uh, you will see a, a higher concentration of that fertilizer in like the uh, top one or two inches of that soil compared to in the strips where it would be incorporated more deeply. So there is likely to be a, a bit of a difference in that. And again, a lot of it has to do with what are the soil conditions, what are what are the nutrient conditions in the soil. If uh, a grower really needs to address a particular problem with dry fertilizer, that, that could be the way to go. And was there anything else you wanted to talk about? Just reinforce the notion that strip-till is a, is a part of a, a larger system of crop production. It's not the only thing to use. It's a, it's a, can be a, an excellent tool, uh, but for a grower to, to be able to utilize strip-till in conjunction with his uh, planter equipment, with in conjunction with any kind of side dress and foliar applications from a crop nutrition standpoint, um, makes makes that system a lot uh, more flexible uh, and uh, gives the grower a lot of options. The other thing I always uh, like to talk about when anytime we talk about a tillage uh, type of a system is to make sure that the soil is um, dry enough to, to be uh, worked without uh, causing uh, a risk of compaction. Uh, compaction is going to make a mess of, of about the be any of the best systems that you can uh, ever come up with. So uh, making sure that uh, when you put those strips out either in the fall or in the spring, that the soil is dry enough so that it's not going to, uh, uh, to cause a compaction layer uh, down at the bottom of that strip. Uh, very important in uh, both the immediate crop production year and for uh, a number of years to come. Thanks to John Lee for joining me for today's conversation. He's hosting a classroom session on soil testing and nutrition at the National Strip Tillage Conference in Iowa City on July 28th. Head to striptillconference.com to register for two days of learning from industry experts like John and cutting edge strip tillers. If you're looking for more podcasts about strip till, visit striptillfarmer.com podcasts or check out our episode library wherever you get your podcasts. Finally, many thanks to the Pluribus Light from Dawn Equipment for helping to make this strip till podcast series possible. From all of us here at Strip Till Farmer, I'm Michaela Pockner. Thanks for listening.